How do I sound? You sound awesome. But I was talking to someone yesterday, and they were telling me I was sounding like shit, so... No. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully... You sound like the sexy bitch you are. Oh, excellent. Let me call... That's what you wanted to hear, right? Sure, why not? (laughs) (laughs) What's up, Mike? Not much. What's up with you? Hey, not too much. Not too How's much Chris? at all. He's here. He's having uh, he's having some issues. Audio. Yeah. I mean, beyond the obvious, you know. I was about to say. <laughs> what do you think? Well, I just I, I just I just turned mine off. What? Uh, where's the the setting you're talking about? Go to tools. Uh-huh. Go to options. options. Uh huh. Go to audio settings, and under the microphone thing, you'll see a little box that says automatically yeah. adjust. I wonder why it keeps turning itself back on. So some default setting. Yeah. Go back and check yours one more time, Chris, because when you first clicked off it, I swear your your volume jumped yeah, up. He, he, consider yeah, he, he got really clear. I'm still off. That's weird. Well, what what the thing is, is just we just can't interrupt each other tonight. What um, the hell fun is that? <laughs> then when you guys get to talking about some stupid shit, I can't jump in and completely change the subject? I think Skype just uh, saved Chris and I a lot of, uh, a lot of hassle. <laughs> that's, that's, that's nice. Very good. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. These freaks are dedicated, hard-working people. I'm Batman. Whosoever holds this hammer, if it be worthy, shall possess the power of thought. This looks like a job for Superman. Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, and Chris Honeywell. This episode of Two True Freaks Comics Monthly Monday is brought to you by Dr. Pepper 10. Dr. Pepper 10, it may have the most sexist ad campaign ever, but sweet Jesus on fire does it taste good. Hey everybody, (laughs) welcome back to Comics Monthly Monday, a traditional comics monthly monday even my name is michael bailey and i am joined as always by two of my bestest buddies in the entire world mr chris honeywell (laughs) and uh, a guy who's just chomping at the bit to talk which i know surprises everybody wow that was about as attractive as a 10 year old laotian prostitute mr scott gardner hey (laughs) pretty (laughs) What? 
I said too much. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? Not too much. Damn, am I glad to be back on uh, back on format? This is awesome, yeah. man. Because I, I, I imagine the the listeners missed this, and I, I sure missed it. This, uh, this just may be uh, the most fun show that we do because it's just us cutting up and being rude and everything. Like uh, you know, pretty much the the training wheels are off with this uh, with this format. I love this show. And, and this is the one for for June, right? Oh wait, no, it's the one for July because <laughs> somebody didn't tell me we weren't doing one for June. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> That's what you get for missing staff meetings, Doctor. Yeah, well, you know, you don't like my crush on Beverly Crusher, so I don't like to talk about it. So, I have a question. What the hell, Doctor Pepper Ten? We don't have that up in our. Yeah. It's a uh, it's a ten calorie version of Doctor Pepper. It's got both sugar and aspartame. So it tastes sweeter than Diet Dr. Pepper, but it only has 10 calories for a 12-ounce can. But the ad campaign for this shows, like, this guy... The first one they showed was this guy in, like, a manly movie, and basically the entire ad campaign is Dr. Pepper 10. It's not for women. I'm not kidding. It's the diet drink for men? Yeah, basically. No, it's not for me, though. That's that's (laughs) an oxymoron. And Michael... Once again, and this is, I know this is going to sound gay, but you drove me to the armed five guys once again. <laughs> oh, I am so going to use that clip out of context in the future. <sighs> and all your talk on Facebook about the, the, um, the vinegar. At- oh, the, oh, the, 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 the vinegar on the French fries, the malted vinegar. <sighs> I. And, so, and we were like looking for some place to eat and, I, and he's like five guys what's that and I'm like that's the place with malted vinegar go there now it was funny as hell because they, they brought it because I got fish and chips there's this place in Fayetteville uh, which is the city I live in called the Old Courthouse Tavern and Rachel and I like to find local restaurants because we're not opposed to chain restaurants but local restaurants tend to have better food Yes. At more reasonable prices. Uh, so we found this place. It opened up about a year ago. It has one of the best burgers you will ever have. But it also has, like, it. it it's actually got a theme to it. Because uh, all the, like, the, uh, the chicken fingers thing that Rachel gets is the five-finger discount. Because it's a courthouse thing. Because uh, it's right by the old courthouse in, in Fayetteville. And I got fish and chips. And the fish here is excellent. And they brought malted vinegar with the uh, with the meal for the French fries and the fish, and it's just like well, I don't like it for the fish. Fries is badass, and Rachel's like, "Well, let me try that." And you ever? <laughs> I don't know. I maybe I shouldn't find this amusing, but when 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 you love someone and they bite into something that obviously they don't like, and they get that look on their face, it's it's very amusing. Uh, I think you can both relate to this. Every time I have a girlfriend. Yes, there's a whole fetish site about that somewhere, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> nice. But uh, th- th- that'll be my first recommendation. If you've never had malted vinegar with French fries, mm-hmm. you are missing out. It is, um, especially if you ever go to like Atlantic City or Ocean City, Maryland, or any of any place that has a boardwalk and they have boardwalk French fries. Oh, yeah. Y- y- you gotta get it. You never had that before, Chris? 
Oh, I've had it plenty of times. Oh, okay. I did of it's delicious. Oh, okay, I gotcha. There used to be a great place in the Carousel Mall in Syracuse that all they did was French fries, and they were those the like the worst French fries for you, but the best yeah. tasting ones. You know, they were the ones that were just you know like a heart attack in a cup. You know what I mean? And that was, I'm pretty sure that's the first time I ever had them with, with vinegar because the girl I was dating at the time, we both worked there at the mall. She turned me on to that. And it, yeah, they're great. I couldn't do it all the time, but every once in a while, it's great to just get those like really greasy, nasty, man, these taste great. They're so horrible for me fries and, yeah. and dip them in, in malt vinegar. It's, it's great. Well, it's out. I got all on the on the Facebook and got all like I'm I'm the know it all of like oh well that's that's the Canadian style of eating fries that's how the Canadians and then I get a private message from someone British you know like no mate we invented vinegar on so it's like okay the British invented it and then all of a sudden I got some Canadian going no no actually it was us so leave me out of it Canadians and Brits you guys <laughs> You guys fight it amongst yourselves. I'm sorry <laughs> that the Canadians have to share your queen, but <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that uh, Hair Metal Hero just messed himself because we're we're talking about fast food once again. He's, yeah, he's just in big shit heaven right now. <laughs> he's he's just put the he's put the MP3 on pause and headed to Five Guys. <laughs> Got out. Tomorrow, who knows? I might have to have some tomorrow. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to say he had to pause the thing and create some knuckle children. So, some dr- <laughs> that's disgusting, but humorous. <laughs> so, what do you got, Scott? You you, you seem really chomping at the bit to oh, uh, my to, God to go through, through all the, the the fun stuff. Do you really want me to go first? Because I got tons of stuff here, but I'll be happy to. Um, yeah, go ahead. First off, a little bit of uh, housekeeping here. It has come to my attention from multiple sources that uh, Chris and I were uh, were remiss in our King Kong 76 commentary in mentioning the fact that uh, the voice of Kong uh, was also the voice of Optimus Prime in all of the uh, Transformers material. Uh, the voice actor Peter Cullen was Ooh, the voice of Kong that. in that movie. Okay. I've addressed this, so shut the hell up about it now. All right, I meant to mention it and just forgot. Okay, but yes, How I have been just he? ripped on this. Oh, he's still around. He's yeah, he's uh, no, no, he's I got to be up there, but yeah, but uh. Who was it? Was it Luke or Fanboyimus Prime? I can't remember. There's been a bunch of them. Six that have of one, taken half a dozen. Task. Of yeah. <laughs> oh, send your hate mail to Michael Bailey. No, no, no. My point is, is that well, Fanboyimus Prime is obviously a fan of Optimus Prime, and I know Luke and I share a childhood love of the Transformers, so it's, it could have been either one of them. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing against the Transformers, and I, I, I want to stress that because I think that there is a, a popular misconception that I have some sort of beef with the Transformers. I don't. It's just by the time the Transformers came along, it was just one of those things where I was just a little bit too old to get into it. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of just missed the whole thing. I mean, I'm aware of them. I know who they are. I just was never into them. Um, but I did mean to mention that I was reading up, uh, you know, on the 76 Kong before the show. And that was one of the interesting trivia facts 
um, about the movie was, uh, I guess Peter Cullen like seriously damaged his throat while working, you know, on that movie, providing the voice of Kong. I meant to throw it out there and just, you know, we, we went off on so many crazy tangents that it just never came up. But, uh, like I say, there it is. So stop pestering me about it. (laughs) Was it kind of a puff the magic dragon situation where by the time the transformers came out, you were, you know, Bits of string and sealing wax and other fancy stuff was it? <laughs> Girls. That time, yeah. Well, you know they they hit really big in 1984, and you guys were like 16 years old, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's like uh, for me that would be the Power Rangers. You know, I was I was oh, a senior in high school. Uh, I was a senior in high school when those hit. So I, I know of them. I remember them being around, and I watched like the odd episode when I happened to be home. But you know, there were other things to do. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. Seventeen, just... eighteen, <laughs> seventeen, eighteen years. I mean, I, I freaking had a girlfriend, and that that took like an act of Congress and the Pope to get involved. When you know, so <laughs> hell yeah. But <laughs> and that was and that was driven home when uh, one night I was talking to our good friends uh, Joshua Bertoni and Donovan Morgan Grant, and they made some reference to a character named Rita Repulsa, and I said, "Who's that?" And I and 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 for the first time in my life, I was on the receiving end of you don't know who X is, right? Don't so. you hate that? <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I know who Rita Repulsa is because by that time. I was in college and smoking a lot of pot, so then a lot more music. We were watching them on a different level, but, you know, yeah. (laughs) One of these days I'm determined to get a show out there that I can actually let my children listen to, but when that sunny day ever comes... No, I'm just kidding. Hi, Scotty. I know you're listening. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And and a message to Scotty, uh, don't play with the bull or you'll get the horns. So, I'll just put it this way. Scott's kids have met me. Yeah, I was about to say. Or like a human, you know, example of, yep. what, of, of what not to go to. You, so I don't... you are the human scared straight program. Yes, sir. I, uh, I don't know if you saw, Scott, but I posted a, a funny little picture today of uh, it's Spider-Man giving Superman a hard time for wearing yes. underwear. Yes. Did you see? And, and, and yeah, I Scotty, saw that, and I, I was—I wanted to write the caption on there moments before Spider-Man was thrown into the sun, but I figured, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm constantly <laughs> playing to that stereotype, so maybe I had to lay off. Well, in all honesty, uh, you know, Scotty and I went back and forth like once or twice, just you know, which I thought was great because I like mixing it up with the younger generation. You One. should knock that off because some guy just went to prison for that. <laughs> Well, you know, well, 16 will get you 20, so, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was, uh, where I'm trying to find it, I said um, Superman's thing was, how's your Uncle Ben, ben doing, Pete? And oh, Scotty's was, so when are you going back to your home planet? <laughs> and I made two responses. One was, nice, you know, I didn't sell out my marriage to the devil. And, oh, by the way, Pete, every time my girlfriend fell off a bridge, I managed to catch her without snapping her neck. Oh! So, so, I think I... I gotta get in on this. (laughs) So, uh, I'll just spin the planet backwards and you've never been born, bitch. (laughs) 
<laughs> Spin you back into my all sack. I, I, have you guys <laughs> ever seen those epic rap battles on YouTube where they like have like Darth Vader and somebody doing a rap battle, or Bill Gates and Steve Jobs? I think I think someone needs to do the epic rap battle between Spider-Man and Superman. Very surprised that there isn't one. If yeah. <laughs> well, it is the internet, isn't it? <laughs> well, see, I, I came to the realization recently that I think the big reason I'm most pissed with the new Fifty Two Superman, not to get us off on a tangent about that whole mess, but ultimately I think it comes down to the fact that by doing that, and it's a new continuity and everything, now he's not married to Lois Lane, which means they're never going to have kids, which means we're never going to get the "Don't make me turn this planet around" joke that I was so desperately itching. <laughs> all these years. <laughs> That's great. Come on, can't you just see Superman and Lois driving down the road and the kids are in the back seat raising hell and driving him nuts and he just turns around and says that to him? I can totally see that. Anyway, now you watch. That shit will wind up all over the internet. Because my somebody ripped off my throwing shit into the sun thing from Superman and it's been everywhere. And I don't know whether to be, like, really, really proud of that or kind of pissed off about it, you know, because it's like I get no credit for that. It can be both. Uh, hey, welcome to the internet, buddy. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, where the hell was I? Still loving my iPad, by the way. I have been reading comics like a madman. And uh, at the moment, my, my two big things I'm, I'm ripping through is uh, I'm, I decided to pick up and continue with my uh, read-through of the Avengers, and I'm loving that. I'm just tearing through some, uh, some Avengers stuff. And uh, Planet of the Apes magazine, which I've always really wanted to get into, and uh, I'm probably about three-quarters of the way through that, loving that stuff. And uh, So I'm just having a blast doing it. I love, 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 love my iPad. A um, couple of quick things I scored that I just wanted to kind of brag about a little bit. I got for a song, and I've been watching this book forever, so I really was glad that I was uh, patient, which, you know, patience is not my strong suit at all, but I figured... You know, if I, if I was patient and kept a watch, maybe one of these days it would fall in my lap. Because uh, a couple years back now, I bought um, the All Star Companion Volume One, um, which is a Tomorrow's book that's all about um, the old All Star comics and you know the formation of the Justice Society and all and all that. I bought that book for two dollars at some you know as a comic. I shop want my two dollars. <laughs> And the, these books are kind of pricey. I, I want to say that book's at least like 25 bucks full retail. But I love the way that Tomorrow's puts together its material, you know, whether it's Back Issue Magazine or Alter Ego or, you know, these books that they've been putting out. I want to get them. I just really, you know, I'm cheap. I don't want to pay that much for them. So I've been watching a number of their different books, you know, keeping an eye out, hoping to, to score them on the cheap. And recently I finally got lucky and I picked up uh, the Krypton Companion, and uh, man, I've been wanting nice. this book forever. And uh, I, I just started reading it, and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Just uh, you know, really nice. It's a, basically a bunch of essays and things, just all about the Silver Age Superman. And I'm seriously digging it. So I thought that was a great little, uh, great little score. When I went to the Superman celebration back in 2008, I got to do an on-camera interview for the Superman homepage with Michael Urie. Right, uh, yeah. 
and he appeared on Views from the Long Box. So uh, that that I I will second your recommendation for that book because it is excellent and has this great interview with Neil Adams that breaks down his involvement with getting Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster credit and that whole legal wrangling in the mid seventies. So, definitely, if you're a Superman fan, get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm not very far into it yet, but I'm uh, I'm digging what I'm reading of it so far. I'm looking forward to reading that uh, that stuff about the the whole thing with uh, Adams and the and the legal problems with uh, Siegel and Schuster and all that. I because I'm I've always been really interested in that, but now I want to know more of like the behind the scenes kind of stuff. So yeah, it, so far it's been a fantastic read, and just so much stuff in there that that tells you about the people behind these comics. You know, a lot of stuff I had no idea, you know, the, the connections between these people and, you know, the people they knew and, you know, their peer groups and stuff like that. Like Leia Brackett, I had no idea that she was uh, Edmund Hamilton's wife. I, I had no idea. I think that's really cool. You know, here's the woman that that essentially wrote the screenplay to The Empire Strikes Back. Her husband wrote, you know, Silver Age Superman. Uh, no idea. Never, I'd never heard that before. I thought that was really cool. You know, stuff like that. It's, it's, I think it's a really fascinating book, um, you know, for things like that. And uh, this was something I was really, really excited about for several different reasons. For one, it's just, it was an incredible find. But uh, there's an awesome bookstore not far from, uh, from where I live here. It's one of those places, it's the kind of bookstore that I know Chris and I always liked when we were kids, where you just go in and it's just a mishmash of just there's basically there's just shit everywhere they probably got what you're looking for but you're gonna have to hunt so i took my wife there because she was hunting some some novel that she needed for her collection or what like the next book and whatever series she was reading and everything i wasn't really looking for anything you know since i got my ipad i've been busy just reading crap on that and downloading all kinds of stuff and all this so i wasn't really looking for for any anything in particular and we got there, and we no sooner walked in the door, and it's like, I seriously needed to head to the to the restroom. So I, I'm coming walking out of the restroom, and just something caught my eye. And I was like, wait, what is that? And I walk over, and there's this giant, and I mean giant section of novelizations, of movies. So I start looking through this just out of curiosity, and man... It's like I hit the jackpot. And they were all dirt cheap because basically I, I think the novel, you know, the movie novelization is kind of kind of sort of fallen by the wayside. And a lot of these, I didn't even know that there had been novelizations up. But for a song, I picked up uh, The Phantom uh, by Rob McGregor, who I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, Rob McGregor, I think he wrote some of the, uh, the Indiana Jones um, books. I don't know, some of the novelizations or just some of the continuing books, I'm not sure, but I know I've heard that name before. Now i got to finish watching that movie. I started watching it and got about, I don't know, about halfway through it, and for some reason I, just, I didn't end up finishing it. I don't know why. It wasn't like I didn't like it or something. I just, I don't know, I guess I, guess I got busy and just didn't finish the movie. Um, the Shadow by James Lucino. I'm really looking forward to that because I love that movie. Um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen by uh, he's listed here as K.J. Anderson it's uh, Kevin Anderson that uh, wrote a lot of the uh, Star Wars Expanded Universe stuff I'm actually reading that book right now and liking it a whole hell of a lot and The Rocketeer 
by Peter David. And uh, man, I am really, really excited to read that one. That's that's the next one on my stack as soon as I finish uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I was really excited to get these because, like I say, not only am I a huge fan of you know three of the four, you know, with with Shadow Rocketeer and uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but I know that uh, Mike and I definitely plan to you know discuss. Well, we have already done the Rocketeer. We discussed the Rocketeer, but I'm definitely looking forward to uh, you know we have plans to do shows on uh, the Shadow and mm-hmm. on, um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, most especially. So I'm really excited about that. Hopefully, I'll have gotten time to read these books before we actually get to those shows. That so can give you know a little bit more insight, at least with League anyway, because uh, I, I found that there's things that that are addressed in the book that kind of address some of the things that people bitch about when they complain about that movie. That's that's one of those movies that's still a mystery to me. Why fanboys rag on that movie? Because I think it's fantastic. I really, really dig that movie. So I look forward to uh, to when we do our show on that, just to offer up a defense for what I think is a great superhero flick. I really do. And me too. Uh, <laughs> for a dollar, I had to pick this up because for one, it was only a dollar, but also I had no idea it, there had ever been a book about it. And make all the fun you want, but I love this movie. I found the novelization of Corvette Summer. Do you guys remember this movie? Mark Hamill. Yeah. It was like Mark Hamill's first movie right after Star Wars. It was I don't even think he was considered a star yet, because I think when he was working on that movie, I think he basically went right to that movie after Star Wars. So while that movie was being made, the whole Star Wars thing hadn't really happened yet. Right, editing it and stuff. Yeah, and uh, I have been re-editing it. Yeah, I have <laughs> always dug the hell out of that movie. It's cheesy '70s fun, but it's a real trip. And the girl that uh, that ends up being uh, kind of his on again, off again love interest in that is um, oh, what the hell is her name? Molly uh, Annie Potts. That's it. Annie Potts. Not Molly. It's Annie, Annie Potts. Potts. Yeah, Annie Potts. Really? Who was, yep. Who was the uh, secretary? Janine, I think, was her name from Ghostbusters. Yes. So, Ghostbusters. Yeah. What do you want? Yep. Great, great movie. Uh, Anna, Anna on designing women. I never. Which oh yeah. Okay. Watched. Yeah. I know who you're talking. Yeah. I never. I never did watch that show. But I know the I'm show you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, anyway, going back a moment. Speaking of the Rocketeer. Back on the 21st of June was the 21st birthday for the Rocketeer movie by Disney. Can you believe that? 21 years ago this year. Crazy. And uh, last thing I have on the Rocketeer is uh, I want to shout out huge, huge thank yous to our buddy Paul Riches. Because totally unsolicited, totally out of the blue and totally awesome he sent me the rocketeer official movie souvenir magazine right after we did our show about the rocketeer this is great i didn't know that they had made these i didn't realize that they made these official movie uh souvenir magazines right up until the 90s because i had a bunch of these for the like the star wars movies indiana jones and some other ones but I didn't know they'd done one for the Rocketeer, and it's phenomenal, man. I love this. So, yes, thank you, Paul. I really, really dig this a lot. It's great. One of my favorite magazine tie-in 
Gremlins of all times was the Gremlins one. Was a was a great one. This one's fantastic. It's got. I mean, what I, one of the things I really like about it most is that you know this being a Disney production, there is a lot, and I mean a lot, of like uh, conceptual sketches, storyboard sketches, stuff like that. And while I don't know the artist, I recognize the art style because I see this a lot, you know, around the theme parks, you know, whenever they show like conceptual sketches of like, you know, new lands or attractions that are going to be opening up or that, you know, maybe they were on the drawing board and they got scrapped, that sort of thing. So I recognize the, the Disney house style for these sorts of things. And it's just a lot of fun seeing it applied here you know, to the movies, which is where, you know, it all spun out of anyway, but it's really neat, and uh, just the art in this is just fantastic. Lots and lots of not just movie stills, but lots and lots of sketches and and posters and things like that. There's a great centerfold in here that's the shot of the Rocketeer standing up on top of the Griffith Observatory with his gun cocked, and it's just really, really good stuff. I forgot tell you this but i went to a garage sale and i got a disney world t-shirt of mickey mouse as a jedi with the lightsaber oh cool symbol for like a dollar or something it was like 50 cents does it fit you it fit me and you got to bring it down here for celebration well as i was walking away the lady was like oh yeah i've had that all the other clothes there were for kids and i'm like this is the only one that fits me and this is the only shirt that i want this is awesome and she said my niece drew all those she's like my niece works at disney and and she designs t-shirts dude you gotta get an interview you gotta you gotta gotta pursue that (laughs) but uh, again i want to thank paul for this because i'm just sitting here flipping through it now i just want to stop and read it again because it's just awesome there's so many really good articles in here but this was really really cool uh moving right along because i know we got a lot of stuff to cover here there's uh, something going to be coming out. I don't think that they've given a release date yet, but I will be absolutely amazed if this doesn't end up happening by Christmas time. This is probably going to be like the big fanboy Christmas wish list this thing uh, this year, I would imagine. But there's a, uh, a box set coming out. It's a 10-disc limited edition um, six-movie collector's set. So far, it's just listed for Blu-ray, I think. I don't think they have it for traditional DVD as well, but uh, I could be wrong on that. But anyway, the one I've been looking at uh, says that it's just for Blu-ray. But it's called the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1 Avengers Assemble, and it's going to be all five of the, the lead-up movies to the Avengers and then the Avengers movie as well. And then I think there's like a bonus disc or something in there as well. Um, but this looks really, really cool. And uh, it's on Amazon. Um, right now, the, the price on it, they, they have a huge discount. It's like a 30% discount on it if you pre-order it. It's uh, on Amazon at $152.99. It's eligible for the free uh, Super Saver shipping thing. Um, like I say, if this makes your uh, your Christmas list this year, or your your wish list or whatever, uh, definitely you know please use our Amazon link that you can find at our website. You know all you got to do is go to our website and then go to you know follow the link to Amazon through our website. We get credit for that, and uh, it goes it helps pay the bills is basically what it does. Or actually, at this point, it is paying the bills. So uh, please use that link 
and uh, and check that out and uh, support this. You know, if you uh, if you're interested in in that box set because that looks really really fantastic. I want to see with combined box office receipts and DVD receipts. I want to see Avengers officially become the biggest friggin' thing ever. I think that would be really really awesome. Lastly, and then I'll shut up. I promise. By now, you will have heard because uh, I'm, we're gonna. I'm gonna do a little bit of creative editing on uh, on the last episode that we recorded, Star Wars Monthly Monday. So now you'll have heard uh, about some things that went on with uh, with Star Wars Celebration and uh, and passes and things like that. Anyway, without, I don't want to bore you with the whole story again. But essentially, I just want to say a huge personal thank you since he's here, and I can tell him uh, to his face, so to speak, <laughs> through Skype. Thank you to Michael Bailey because uh, he did something I know that uh, that he's not entirely comfortable doing. I'm not entirely comfortable doing, which is basically he went to bat for us to to ask people to uh, to step up and help us out with uh, with the expenses and everything to basically to get us both, you know, Chris and I together for uh, for Star Wars Celebration coming up in August. And uh, and I just wanted to say sincerely from the bottom of my heart, I really really appreciate it because you know. I posted a little something up on on Facebook about it. Just basically, I, I was trying to just be gingerly about it and be like, "Hey, you know, if there's ever a time we could really use, you know, uh, some coins in the offering plate, you know, now's the time," kind of thing. And I was going to leave it at that. And it was kind of like crickets. And then Mike steps up and is like, "Hey, help these guys out!" And it's like all of a sudden, ching, 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 ching. <laughs> I really just wanted to say thank you very much for uh for for using the power of michael bailey to assist two true freaks dude we uh we really appreciate it. we love you mike so well, I, if we have money i would i'm still no matter what i'm gonna get down there but i would really rather get down there without having to perform horrible acts in the men's room yeah. Suddenly, uh, suddenly, Chris is like, "I do HJs, BJs, and ZJs. What's a ZJ? If you don't know what it is, you can't afford it." Um, no, it was it was my pleasure. I I, I really don't think um, I really don't think it was my posting. I think your posting probably had as much to do with it as mine. Uh, but uh, now I, I got a couple other little little um, uh, things planned for that too to to, to promote it, but. Basically, you guys have been really good to me. You invited me on this show. Uh, Scott and I have done many a show together, and basically, it's all on y'all's dime. Uh, so I figure if I can if I can kick people in the pants and and say, hey, you know, these guys are awesome. They do all of this out of the goodness of their heart and their free time. Get them to uh, to celebration. Uh, and, it, and it's really funny because I can't go. I want you guys to go more. Does that make any sense? <laughs> it's just like I can't go, but damn it, these guys are. I'm just gonna say it. You guys are bigger Star Wars fans than I. And uh, as much as I know it's gonna be fun, and as much as you're getting together with a bunch of uh, all of our mutual friends, uh, it, it it would mean so much to me personally. If you guys could go to you know to this, and it may not be you know it may be just one of many celebrations you go to, you know I'm not saying this is this isn't like Mecca, you're not going there once in your life praying to the east and then and, and then going home or, or praying to the Lucas I guess would be the better way to say <laughs> that. Um, but you know it, it, it's a huge year. You guys have so many plans. So yeah, I'll do anything I can to help to get you there. 
We sincerely appreciate it, Mike. Because you guys are my friends. (laughs) I need a minute. (laughs) Man, tears. You don't have a minute. It's your turn. No, it is my turn. Um, (laughs) First off, um, a thank you to Mr. Andy Leyland. Leyland! As I do my bad impersonation of him admonishing Scott for mispronouncing his name. Um, I you were doing like a Jerry Lewis, like, lay, 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 lady, nice lady. Um, not only uh, is Andy just a hell of a nice guy and uh, probably the best podcaster out there right now amen and, oh my god amen. oh my god we you know uh, between hey kids comics which he does with his son michael and the fantastic cast which he does with Stephen lacy who is another fantastic podcaster uh you know the guy just provides endless hours of entertainment and does it so well and makes it look so damn simple <laughs> i gave him hell when he was here i mean when we when we actually met face to face and and got to spend some time together which was totally awesome i gave him hell because he's always telling me, and, and he's sincere, but he's very sincere, but he says, you know, it was Chris and I's get off your ass and make a podcast show that got him off his ass to make a podcast. And I said, yes, and I appreciate you thanking us for that and everything. That's great. I said, but God damn it, we didn't mean make a better show than ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Andy sent me a present, uh, which is a big deal because he's across the pond. That's not cheap. Yes. And I... Yeah. Still have to get his package off, which I, I haven't done. But he sent me. <laughs> Can you rephrase um, that, please? <laughs> he said I sent you a prezi, and I was just like, well, you know, even that, you know, it, it's great. <laughs> it's nice that he did it, but saying it out loud, it does sound kind of dirty, doesn't it? <laughs> um, he sent me a little, uh, a, a little pack of comics. One of which was an issue of Adjectiveless Spider-Man that I needed, that he had an extra copy of. But he sent me five issues of the Mighty World of Marvel. Oh, I love those. And, and these are British reprints of Marvel books. And these, basically, these five issues he sent me was the entirety with some of the extras of World War Hulk. Oh, and very really, cool. For how much these things are, which are like three, four, five bucks, you get three full issues in full color. And the, the, the presentation and the ads are great. Unfortunately, uh, between that and him talking about British reprints on his shows, it got me like really interested to see them because uh, for my birthday he sent me a Superman hardbacked annual uh, that was released in the UK, and I managed to, and I don't know how I did. Well, I know how I did this because um, eBay tip number fifty: uh, if you are looking for something cheap. Don't type in exactly what you want. Type in really vague things. Like Spider-Man lot. Yes. And you will find things that are basically buried because the people didn't put a very specific thing in the in the certain the the title that you can search under. So no one notices it, so you get it at a cheap price. I got like almost 50 Spider-Man books for $11. Okay? Most of these are issues of Astonishing Spider-Man, which was put out by the same company that now puts out Mighty World of Marvel, Panini. 
And these are British reprints of 90s Spider-Man comics. Uh, the issues I have start in 1996. And it's basically, here is how the Clone Saga looked in British reprints. And they're really neat because they have, uh, they start out like having three of the chapters. And then eventually they start putting reprints in there, like the, like the, you know, Amazing Fantasy 15, and then just like really random stories. But basically, I got, ignoring all the other books that I got, a lot of doubles in there, but ignoring all the other ones, I got like 20 some issues of a British reprint series. For eleven dollars, and these things are expensive because, really, if you're if you like go to eBay and order and look for stuff on like the international sellers, yeah, it's not that much, but the shipping is what's going to yeah, kill the you. Shipping will murder you. Yeah, that's what's holding me back from getting any uh, uh, Star Wars UK comics. But um, but I, I just found this totally out of the blue after Andy and I had talked about it because Andy had told me about this series when he was on Views from the Long Box, and I know Scott doesn't. Uh, like gets on me for mentioning my other shows. I was trying not to do that. No, go but, ahead, uh, man. But uh, no, you gave me shit about that. I was <laughs> teasing you. I know, I know. But uh, Andy was telling me, and 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 for some reason, I don't know why. Uh, I will explain what you hear in the background in a minute, folks. Um, I don't like know, why. like a flea circus going on back there or something. <laughs> Hearing everything but the but the uh, calliope playing back there. Um, like flipper to me. <laughs> the um what's that flipper jimmy fell down the well <laughs> why are you on dry land oh my god you crap funny flipper <laughs> um i am fascinated by british re- I-, I like reprints in-, in and of themselves i like seeing you know like trade paperbacks and weird like reprints and stuff like that i don't know why but just seeing the same material packaged in different way fascinates the crap out of me what i'm re- why i'm so interested in these british reprints is I think we take it for granted as Americans of how pervasive Marvel Comics is in our culture. And especially, you know, our generations. You know, Marvel was everywhere. You know, you, you could just walk into any any old, you know, cigar shop for you guys or newsstand or whatever. So, but I'm kind of fascinated by people, especially like in the U.K., that are also diehard Marvel fans, and the way Marvel reached across the pond and created like generations of fans in in completely different ways. A good example of this is what I found out through Andy, is that when the black costume story happened, the British reprints at first, because they couldn't get to Secret Wars yet, didn't have the black costume stories. They would recolor and redraw the stories to have them in the normal costume. And I'm like, well, that's weird. (laughs) So if you weren't buying the American books that were coming over and getting the British reprints, you didn't see this happening. And I'm like, and that, for some reason, fascinates me. So it was really cool finding those. Uh, I scanned all the pictures and put them on Facebook. So if you're friends with me on Facebook, you can find them. Uh, Some of the customer uh, covers are really, really awesome. Some less so. Now, you hear squeaking in the background, and, I, and this is actually very much comic book related. Um, while Scott is another thing Scott gives me a, a friendly hard time about. Uh, everyone knows that I have a little dog named Boo. Well, recently Rachel and I got another fur kid. And uh, this one is comic book related because I got to name her. It was, it 
was my turn, and I thought long and hard, and she is Mayday Parker Bailey, the Spectacular Spider Dog. <laughs> she has... She's just like her daddy in that she has comic book t-shirts. Because PetSmart put out a couple months ago an entire line of Marvel shirts. Oh, you're not dogs. putting clothes on that dog. Uh, pood- they're small poodles. They get cold very easy, even in the summertime. So you got to keep them warm. All right. Um, but normally, yeah, normally some- I would be. I'm an advocate for give that animal its dignity and don't put clothes on it. But you you make a point. Is that why they shiver all the time? Um, usually, yeah, they're just cold. Oh, all right. I thought it was like because they're like hopped up on caffeine or something. Uh, well, this one actually. <laughs> It's funny you mentioned that because Rachel was uh, was having a little vodka and orange juice the other night, and uh, she was Our very interested that. in that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was having some coffee this morning, and she was like really going after my goatee after I drank it. So <laughs> um, she's very cute, and right now she's playing with one of her squeaky toys. So I do apologize for that, um, but it's my turn to watch her. But yeah, she's got a little Spider-Man T-shirt on right now, and she's got a little Spider-Man doll that she sleeps with and chews That's on. Awesome. So. It's- it's it's really no. We seriously, we walked into PetSmart, and I'm like, finally, I've been wanting because because Boo wears clothes as well because she gets so cold. I have been wanting comic book related stuff for my dogs for so long, and now I finally got to get it. So I'm very 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 happy about that. Uh, unfortunately, when we got all when we got Mayday, uh, they had all the stuff on clearance, so it looks like that stuff's moving out. Uh, Finally, and, and I'm bringing this up not to wind Scott up, but because I'm legitimately excited about it. Um, I have been watching a lot of the clips for the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man film. And one of my biggest complaints of the Tobey Maguire films is Spider-Man did not quit. He did not joke around while he was being Spider-Man. And to me, that's a tr- that's a trademark of Spider-Man. When he's fighting crime... Unless it's like really serious, he's messing with these guys. He's he's making jokes. He's flipping around, and it looks like in this film they got that right because there is a scene with a carjacker where he's just fucking with this guy. I mean, just really just being almost an ass about it. So, and I got to hear what I think is the new Spider-Man theme. Scott and I talked about this, and and I agree with Scott's assertion. That it's not as dark as it should be. But, and as much as I like the Elfman theme, I really think the James Horner Spider-Man theme is going to be, is going to be, and the score itself is going to be really cool. Because the film is very dark, it looks like. But the score is old school superhero music. And I think that's going to create a nice balance within the film where it doesn't trip too far into the darkness like maybe the Nolan Batman movies did because god those scores were depressing as hell and usually was the same note played over and over again in in different ways Um, but I'm really looking forward to Amazing Spider-Man but I will stop talking about it because I know uh, Scott is not as on it as as into it I mean I'm not like a hater either I mean yeah I know I mean, I've, I've been keeping an eye on, you know, kind of a, like a, a dispassionate eye on, on what's going on with it. And basically it comes down to, to, to three things is that for one, I, I don't dig on the costume. You know, I, I don't, I'm not a fan, as you well know, of 
messing with the classics. You know, there's certain ones that that I just think you shouldn't mess with. You know, if you're going to go with a red and blue outfit for Spider-Man, then you go with the classic one. Now, if they wanted to go for the black and white, you know, that's fine. It's just, I I just, it's, to me, it just reeks of, we need to sell some new action figures, is really why I think they changed it. Yes, they're trying to distinguish themselves from the Raimi films, which is, that's another one of my issues. It's not like I'm married to the Raimi, uh, is it Raimi or Raimi? Raimi. Raimi. You know, it's not like I'm married to those films, because I wasn't all that crazy about them to begin with. But still, I mean, I will agree with everybody that's saying it's just too soon. Because it is. It's just too soon. I mean, you know, that was just 10 years ago, and now all of a sudden we're rebooting. And, you know, the whole thing of, of you know, now we're going to retell the origin. And it's like, seriously? You know, why not just continue it like it's a Bond film? You know, you're, you're switching Bonds and you're going forward. You know, I don't, so I don't quite get that. Um uh, I just totally lost what my third one was. But beyond that, I mean, what I'm seeing does look... Int- oh, I know what it was. Is It's the Twilight Kid that's that's playing Peter Parker. I just... Uh, I'm not I'm not feeling that guy. You know, I'm just not... I'm not digging him as Peter Parker. But- and just based, based on pictures, I could almost agree with you. Mm-hmm. But in watching him and the clips that we're seeing... Yep. He's really got the character down and he is a huge fan of the character and that's something I never got from Toby Maguire. Right. See, I to didn't me, care for Maguire. I mean, that, that's another thing. Don't get me wrong. It's not like again that I'm married to to <laughs> Maguire cuz no, I didn't I didn't care for him as Spider-Man. You know, I I thought he was a decent Peter Parker, but I agree with you. Once he puts on that mask, he's supposed to become an entirely dis- different person. And that was missing from those films is that I, I thought he did a really good job of capturing like nerdy little Peter Parker, little science geek, you know, picked on kid and all that. But the moment he pulls that cowl down over his face, he's supposed to become the person he really wants to be, you know, the smart ass and he, he's in charge and, you know, all that. So, you know, it kind of brings out a, a, an inner part of him that he can play with and have fun with that to me, that's how I always interpreted Spider-Man. And I felt like that was completely missing from Tobey Maguire's performance. But then again, I mean, you know, he constantly, you know, took the mask off through all three of his movies too. So he didn't ever get a chance to really play, you know, that role because I, I, I can only assume it must've been something in his contract where he put it in there to where, you know, he didn't have to wear the, the mask for more than 15 seconds in any, any of the three movies because that drove me nuts. You, it, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, some of the early clips and trailers had, you know, Andrew Garfield, the new Spider-Man, with his mask off. But there was a clip they released where he was saving a little kid because the car was flung over the side of a bridge and he caught it with the webbing and he's trying to get to the kid to get him out. And, and the kid's freaking out cause the car's hanging over the water and he goes, no, wait, 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 wait. And he takes his mask off. He goes, wear this. It'll give you strength. It'll make you strong. Help me help you. And I thought, wow, that's a really great in story way to have your cake of having your leading actor with his face on the screen, but also, you know, having it be a heroic moment mm-hmm. for the character. Like, he's not doing it... Because with Tobey Maguire, every time he took the mask off, it's just like, oh, Toby just wants his face. 
every time I've seen the mask come off in the trailers and the clips I've seen, there's something in the story that's making it happen, whether it's, you know, Peter taking the mask off to help the kid or Captain Stacy unmasking him, you know? Right. So it, it all makes sense in the end to me. I, I know that sounds weird, but uh, I'm just really excited for the movie because everything I've seen, I'm sure there's going to be parts of it I'm not going to like. Uh, but as far as it having the spirit of, of who Spider-Man is, I mean, if you thought that Flash Thompson was an asshole in the Raimi films, oh my God, he is a complete cock in this movie. It's like the, one of the first things that we see is him picking on another kid and he wants Peter to take a picture of it. And Peter doesn't, so Flash beats on him. And there's this great scene of Peter on the ground, like, can't hardly breathe because he just got kicked in the stomach going, I'm not taking the picture, Flash! So It's just moments like that where I'm like, that's Peter Parker. You know, just <laughs> being... Just, no, not, not, not getting beat up, but just... Just even in the face of getting beaten up, he's not going to roll over, basically. So, right. And I'm really interested to see how Martin Sheen is going to be as Uncle Ben, because I like him as an actor. So uh, so him and Sally Field as Uncle Ben and Aunt May, that's, that's kind of interesting. And uh, I'm just hoping that if they do subsequent films, they don't keep bringing Martin Sheen back like they did with Cliff Robertson, where right, we had to have yeah. the... The obligatory Peter talking to him, even though he's been dead for a long time thing. So, But um, the one thing that I will say that may seem like a negative is uh, I'm not a big fan of the lizard, so I hope that's at least entertaining. Because that's, that's a weird villain to start your franchise with. It, <laughs> you know? Mike, you're thinking... I think you're... Mike, I'm thinking about this almost the same as you. I like the quipping in it and like I wasn't really into this movie but you know, I don't notice the costume or like I'd never noticed like Tobey Maguire had his mask off <laughs> in the in the last movie or, or any of that and and I had the same opinion about the pictures of the kid who played Peter Parker and then but then when I saw him in action I was just like yeah that feels like Peter Parker and uh, I think um there's a good possibility that they cut the trailer dark because they knew they were going to be up against a dark night. So you're ending up with this really dark trailer, dark looking trailer. But that just might be because they're cutting in a lot of the subplot about his parents and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm kind of cautiously optimistic for it. I know that. Uh... I don't know about both of them, but I know that at least one of my boys wants to go see it. So more than likely, I'll, I'll end up going to see it. And as I say, I, you know, I'm not opposed to it. It, it was just, you know, I, it's, I had it's issues. It's not a with Dark Knight the, level thing, right? No, yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Well, yeah. plus, I mean, there's still the whole. It's not even the movie, anything to do with the movie, so much as the character of Spider-Man. How do I put this without like inviting just an avalanche of mail going, you know, whatever. But ever since One More Day, Brand New Day, I, I'm just, I, I'm kind of done with Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Uh, I, it, it just, it put me off that much to where I just have this disinterest. You know what I mean? I still love what I love, you know, the, the, the stuff from my era of Spider-Man. Because I, I look at anything that happened before that story I don't think it retroactively spoils anything. You know, I can still enjoy 
what I always enjoyed in that character. It's just going forward, I don't see the character the same way. It, it, it kind of spoiled Spider-Man going forward. So, strangely, I don't know why that should translate to the movies, but it kind of does. Well, that's a fair statement. So, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, if if you're if you're a fan of a character, and they just change that character on a fundamental basis, right? Uh, to you, you know, of course it's gonna it's gonna sully all aspects of the character depending on how strongly you feel about it. Right. Uh, I at first wasn't looking forward to this movie at all, but the more I saw of it, it, it is kind of funny because last year I've said this before on other shows, but last year at this time I was kind of interested in seeing Dark Knight Rises, and I was just like, God, I'll, I may see Amazing Spider-Man in like the dollar theater. And as the year went on and more of the official pictures, not like the stunt pictures that really don't reflect what the costume actually looks like. Uh, as more of, as more of the official pictures came out, the first trailer gave me like a good feeling. But when I watched the clip of him running from the cops and he jumps into the air and he flips the web out and that theme kicked in, suddenly I'm five years old again, you know, because they've released so many clips. It's, it's almost like the entire damn films out there. But I think that, you know, of a two hour film, we've probably seen a total of five minutes. Um, there's a scene of him messing with flash after he gets his powers. He's basically playing keep away with a basketball and humiliates flash in front of everybody, which the fucker had it coming. Um, and it's the score. The score is light and bouncy during this scene. And when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that's where this movie is going to be different from Dark Knight. Because my theory is, is that they made this film darker in response to the success of Dark Knight. Right. And they bought into the hype that you got to make it darker. Um, what I'm hoping is... Uh, that because they they do have it being more humorous with Spider-Man, where he is, like, sitting in a car with the car thief, and the car thief keeps trying to get out, and he's whipping the web and shutting the door faster than he can get it open again, and he's just messing with him. I'm hoping that they learn the lessons of Avengers and realize that you can also have fun with these things. Right, yeah. And that's what I'm kind of hoping this is going to strike that balance between the humor and the score will kind of counterbalance the darker moments of the film and the themes to create a better balanced project. Because Spider-Man, you know, as funny as he is, he's a tragic character. I mean, at his core, he's a tragic character. From his origin on, things never work out for him. Right. Like he'll have like moments where everything's he's on top, but something's gonna come along and screw that up. I think that can be said of all Marvel characters. Um so yeah, you know, you look at you look at Garfield and he does have that twilight look to him. That that's a that's a beautiful way to put it, Scott. I mean, or was it you or Chris yeah, who said that? No, it was me. I, I, I mean I legitimately thought he was the dude from Twilight. No, he was he's not Robert Pattinson and I don't know why I know that name. Um, my man card will be in the mail. Tomorrow. I was just going to say, I just seriously lost some some respect for you right there. <laughs> but um, looking at, but listening to him talk about the character, 
again, I get the feeling that he legitimately likes this character. And when the actor likes the character they're portraying, and we learned this lesson with Christopher Reeve, and we learned this lesson especially with Chris Evans yes. with Captain America, yeah. when they like the character and treat the character seriously and buy into what they're doing, they do better with the role. And Tobey Maguire is a good actor. I'm not going to deny that. He is a fantastic actor. But by that third film, it's just like, I'm here because I'm contracted to be here. And that hurt the movie overall for me. Because when the actor looks like he's rolling his eyes between takes and not having fun, that translates to the ultimate performance. And, you know, this has an excellent cast. Um, They're going a little different, I think, with how Uncle Ben dies. And he does die because, much like episode one... (laughs) Remember when that score came out, guys? Oh, yeah. And it was a couple, like a week or so before the movie, and it had that one track title that blew a major plot point of the movie. Whoops. <laughs> I went to Walmart, looked at it, Qui-Gon's Noble End. Well, very well then. <laughs> Maybe they are talking about his butt. Um, <laughs> there, there is a track on the score listings that says Uncle Ben's Death. But you can and tie fighter attack <laughs> and, and tie fighter attack. <laughs> you know what? When I when I see it in the theater, I'm gonna like the scene's gonna end, and I'm gonna hear, "Come on, kid, we're not, not out of this yet." yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I've gone on way too long. I'm sorry. I did not mean to go that long with the Spider-Man stuff. Chris, what do you got? What? Huh? <laughs> yeah. I got a. I've I've gotten some swag. What one? I got one big swag from a listener for, all the way from Juneau, Alaska. But I'll go into that in the uh, funny book underbelly because it's an underbelly. Tie- and I got some books from Johnny Bueno that fall in the underbelly character too. But I also got some books from Johnny Bueno. One's a Marvel, and one's an Avatar. Uh, the Avatar ones, this title, he's been trying to get me to read it for a while, and it's it was a riot. It's called Ferals. Farrell! James! Grab him! He'll destroy the ship! I'm the captain! Don't you understand? I'm captain of the ship! I'm the captain! It's my ship! My ship! It's mine! By David Lap- Lapham? L-A-P-H-A-M? Lapham? Lapham? Lapham, I think it is. He does. He did Stray Bullets. It's a it's a bloody gory uh, um, werewolf story, very very gory. Sex and sex and nudity and blood and guts, very good. Excellent. Um, and the other one I got from him is an actual Marvel comic that I read, which I thought I don't know why he he sent it to me. Maybe because it's got the words Illuminati in the. <laughs> <laughs> A conspiracy theory, but it's the New Avengers Illuminati from what was it 2007? I think it says yeah 2007 by Bendis, Reed, Chung, and Morales. And I have to say, it was decent. It was a. It was. It's one of those quick reads where it's you know just a lot of action and you know it's about ten minutes, but uh. Now is that the one shot that shows basically the formation of the Illuminati trying to trying to put it all into like is retroactively it, put it all into continuity? This is one of five. It's okay. um 
it's basically Bendis explaining how Reed Richards, Iron Man, um, Doctor Strange, and the rest of the Illuminati fit into major Marvel events. Right, right. So it, it wasn't a bad series, actually. Well, I don't know anything about like the Kree Skrull War and stuff, and this first one's sort of a behind the scenes in the Kree Skrull War. And I sort of got that idea from it that it was like, okay, this is filling in the blanks from another story. How can you have grown up reading reading Marvel comics when we grew up reading Marvel comics and never have heard of the Kree Skrull War? Thank you it for asking like they, that question. It seemed I, like they harped on that constantly when we were kids, and then finally, when I read it just a couple of years ago for the first time, I'm sorry, that story's just it didn't live up to the hype at all for me. The art's beautiful. Some of the concepts are beautiful. A whole lot of that story is a major snooze fest, in my opinion. But, you know, now I'm going to take all kinds of heat for that. But I, I'm serious. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I love me. It's uh, That's Roy Thomas, right, that wrote that? I have no idea. I, I heard of it. I yeah. mean, happening and stuff, but I was sort of disinterested in that whole, you know, I had very specific comic book tastes that, that I that I w- w- would go into and it was usually by artist or something like that and all that stuff never like I never got into the reading Avengers or anything in that sort of thing it, it, I know it, it I know it sort of involved everybody in that like I was into the Fantastic Four for a while right during John Byrne because John Byrne was drawing it and I was like oh okay I'll check this out but uh yeah, I don't know. I, I, I mean, it, I, I knew it was one of those things where if I knew the greater story, it would make a lot more sense. And there was probably a lot of things that was like, oh, ho, ho, of course, okay, that explains that or whatever. But I, you didn't need to know that to to enjoy the story. It was a good. It was just sort of a. It was basically a story of the Illuminati go to the the Skrull homeworld and. Uh, to sort of say, yeah, we just kicked your ass. Don't ever come back to Earth. Right. And it doesn't go well for them. <laughs> it really doesn't. And, and like, subsequent issues took place during Secret Wars and the Infinity Gauntlet and stuff like that. What I thought was awesome was it was totally unintended. And, and what's his name? Bendis even admitted this. But somebody somewhere dug up a panel from Marvel Superheroes Contest of Champions that shows the Illuminati all standing together at that event. And I thought that nice. was major cool. I thought that was really, really, you know, very cool that it actually completely fits into continuity, but he, you know, never intended it to really work. But it does when you see that panel. It's really, really neat. What I liked about it is it had Black Bolt in it, and I totally... Yeah. Black Bolt. I'd totally forgotten about his character because all I remember, I, I my first, um, my only real experience with Black Bolt. This is so funny. Is in a Spidey Stupid story. <laughs> What's the dog's name? Oh, uh, Lockjaw. Oh. Lockjaw and, and Black Bolt in one of the Spidey Stupid stories that I read as a real little kid, and I and. They're, and they kind of freaked me out. <laughs> and, I uh, I found out something interesting about the Spidey Super Stories. 
apparently a lot of the television version of you know uh, the Electric Company and stuff were uh, scripted by Josh Joss Whedon's father. Because uh, he's like, apparently Joss is like a third generation movie ga- uh, or, or like writing for film and TV and stuff. So oh, that so was, maybe was, it, Joss Whedon will do a Spider-Man movie that'll feature the wall in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath for that one. I'm not going to hold my breath at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's good thinking. That's about all I got for, for comics that I could talk about on this show. <laughs> that's all i can talk about for comics that i can talk about in public i, I can't speak about the other comics i have. i just got the d- adaptation of 50 shades of gray comic book yeah, but do, do you guys see that gilbert godfrey did a reading of that <laughs> oh god and it's funny there's a big debate on facebook i think it was john wilson posted something up saying so ladies if if you put a post on Facebook saying, I'm reading Fifty Shades of Grey right now, is that the same as me putting up a post saying, I'm watching porn right now? Right. <laughs> all right, John. Um, no, 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 it's not like that at all. This isn't porn. This is story and drama, and we get things out of it. Besides, It's something that started out as a Twilight slash fiction piece. Read any of it? I, I had to no. go had to go Hell no. I'm not I'm not going to I can't diss it cuz I'm just telling I I I'll, I'll just leave it at this in this household I I just all I can say is whoever the hell's writing those books keep them coming keep them coming prime in the pump so yep exactly um, yeah yeah you don't you, if it don't fix it ain't broke but um this it's, uh, it's more than I wanted to know about <laughs> I'm I'm just saying but uh, they were like um Oh no! You know, you see, this is erotica, and sometimes you'll you'll do it for some other purpose. You know, porn is only for one thing, and all this. And it's like, have you? So I was like, I'm good. I'm about to talk shit about this, so I better go and download it, and <laughs> to make sure that I'm not just making assumptions and that this is some great piece of literature. Why don't you just do the what I do and just completely talk out your ass? I don't research shit. I just say what the hell I, I feel about it. And nine times out of ten, I get taken as fact on it. It's pretty awesome, I have to admit. Well, anyway. So, <laughs> if, this ain't, if this ain't porn, I don't know what porn is. And believe me, I know what porn is. Because... It it ain't selling a million copies on the quality of the the of the writing. <laughs> writing is god awful. It's just just the most horrid purple prose. Gar- it's it's fan fiction where they've changed the name from copyrighted characters to now. I have nothing against that because it has a goal to get women hot and bothered. And it has succeeded in that goal. So, like Scott said, why fight it? Scott sends the guys a text message through Skype. <laughs> Shades of Grey superstars. <laughs> it's all about playing doctor and stuff. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, uh... 
I don't know why they they can't just admit what it is. Men and women are into different things when it comes to that sort of thing. Yep. And and to deny that it's that it's porn for women is just is basically to it's 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 like the old. No, nah, I'm not I'm not going to say that because that'll uh, that'll that'll get us some some angry emails. Um, but I will leave it at this: is that yeah, it's it's porn. I mean, it, it, it may be written out, and it may you know, so it's classified as erotica. But to me, erotica was always a pretentious way of saying porn. What 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 women and some of the men who are commenting on this just have to get over is the fact that porn doesn't mean bad. <laughs> porn can mean good. As a matter of fact, I, I mean the associations in my brain are sugar or something. That's because Chop- of that time you were kept in that cage for all that time, and whenever you did good, you got porn rewards. That's what, that's all. That's why you have that association. That's a weird Skinner box. <laughs> <laughs> I hardly even know her. <laughs> <laughs> Skinner. Oh. Damn near killed her. <laughs> oh, boy. But, you know, it's it just, it, it, it cracks me up because one of the, what's one of the key things about, like, like porn is it's usually written really horrible. Well, hey, there, there's your Fifty Shades of Grey right there. Check. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, get over it. If it works, if it, if it gets, if it, if you're getting your jollies from it, enjoy your Fifty Shades of Grey and be proud of it. And don't worry that there's people on the internet who know that you're, touching your private pee-pee parts because they're touching them too and they're just trying. They're, they're touching their private pee-pee part. I'd be really upset if somebody through the internet was touching my private pee-pee parts. Same time. Well, they, you know, somebody might have a voodoo doll or something. I don't know. <laughs> and again, usually you have to pay for that sort of thing. But uh, You think we could sell Michael Bailey voodoo dolls for listeners? Yes, you, you can put the Michael Bailey voodoo doll in the Michael Bailey dunk tank. <laughs> Uh, you, can, you can have the playset. So there you go. Go Bailey playset. <laughs> oh my God, that's we all need our own playsets, man. Then you know, I, I've been thinking about that actually. No, no lie, lately that uh, that maybe we should uh, we should invest in our own action figure line and have variants and stuff. So you can have like Scott at work, Scott as a mountain gorilla. <laughs> we could find action figures and just. We, we'd have to just go through and find the ones that are closest to what look like us and, and do a... Um, oh, uh, uh, Doc Samson. Uh, like, Doc Samson, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to touch that one. No, but but if but if we do get action figures, I do want the Mike Bailey at work with the action Telzon gun action. <laughs> I think mine would have to say in-action figure at the bottom of it. Scott's would have a, a Barca lounger and a... <laughs> Deacon the Geek is a podcast for the geek and everyone. Please join your host, Peregrine and D-Man, each week as they discuss all the things that geek guys love to talk about from the sci-fi, fantasy, and comic genres. For movies, TVs, comics, novels, and games, seek out Definitive Geek. Available on iTunes or at DefinitiveGeek.Podomatic.com. The Hulk on Podcasts. Hulk like podcasts. Hulk listen to podcasts while Hulk smash. The Hulk on Peter David. Hulk like to read Peter David comics. Hulk have problem making words. Hulk write down. 
Peter David wrote a seminal run on the Incredible Hulk for 12 years. Some of the most provocative, compelling stories came from this era, filled with striking psychological overtones, bold character developments, and sharp humor. Along with artists like Todd McFarlane, Dale Keown, and Gary Frank, Peter David took the Incredible Hulk and the comic book medium as a whole to new heights. The Hulk on Peter David Podcasts. Hey folks, in order to appease the Rampaging Hulk, there is an Incredible Hulk podcast devoted to Peter David. Pad Smash, an Incredible Hulk podcast, looks at the entire Peter David run on the Hulk, issue by issue in a bi-weekly format. Join me, J. David Weeder, on a journey through the saga of old J. Jaws at www.incrediblehulksmash.com. Incredible Hulk and all related characters copyright Marvel Comics. Pat Smash is not responsible for gamma radiation sickness, smashed MP3 players, overturned vehicles, tanks thrown through the ceiling, injured supervillains on the lawn, gamma bomb detonations, property damage from debris, deep-rooted psychological damages as a result of intense child abuse resulting in an alternate self-destructive personality with the strength of an atom bomb or anal leakage. And Guy Gardner is a douche. Uh, Especially Guy Gardner, who was being a bit of a douchebag, but uh, he wasn't really listening. That's Guy's thing. Yeah, but that that's his other superpower. <laughs> Speaking of Guy Gardner, page 19, I resent the brain damage comment. He was just a character I found extremely grating. Wow, the internet seems to be filled with people who really can't stand the character of Guy Gardner. I mean, to some extent they have a point. I mean, they'd read the character like I have, his adventures with the cores, his solo comic run, whatever. Maybe they'd have a little more appreciation for him. I mean... There needs to be more guy love on the internet. Um, maybe not that kind of guy love. Regardless, there still has to be a way that a middle-aged man like myself, with a love of comic books, should be able to present a defense for an underrated character. If he built it, they will come. What was that? If he built it, they will come. Okay, strange disembodied voice, that's a great idea, but I really don't see how building a baseball field in a little bit cornfield will help with matters. I mean, I think there aren't any cornfields near here, especially ones that are the owner let me build a baseball field in. Plus, Guy was more of a football player and... No, no, no. <sighs> Look, I was speaking metaphorically. What I meant by Bill is... Oh, maybe make a podcast about it? Well, that's an even better idea, and it's a lot easier, given my farming and athletic abilities. I can recount all the appearances of Guy in comics, I can focus on his solo run, I could give detailed plans of his bar, and... Hold on, hold on, hold on, Jam Jam. You really want people to actually listen to the podcast, don't you? Well, yeah. So why not start with the 1990s Green Lantern and continue on to the Reaper? Well, that's an even better idea. I could cover the Guy Gardner solo series a long way, and also put up for a defense my second favorite GL, Kyle Rayner. Plus, really, these are the two Earth-based Green Lanterns. For whatever reason, they're really overlooked in the mass media. Plus, I've got a nearly complete runs of both series. Wow. Thanks, strange disembodied voice. No problem. Now, now, now. let's go kill President Nixon. Um, 
you do know that Nixon has been dead for well over a decade. Well, how about some brownies? Mmm, that sounds great. I love some good brownies, especially the one with the chocolate frosting on top. Or have you ever had blondies? Those are even better. I had one of those at church. Just One of the Guys, a Green Lantern podcast, is a weekly internet radio show covering the Green Lantern comics, starting with Green Lantern number 1 in 1990 and ending with Green Lantern number 181 in 2004. During the run, I will be placing a special emphasis on the characters of Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, my two favorite and the most underappreciated members of the Green Lantern Corps. Along the way, I'll be covering the Guy Gardner comic run, some Green Lantern annuals, and whatever else takes my interest at the time. Come listen along with me, Sean Ingold, as I make the case for the Green Lanterns who deserve a better reputation at justoneoftheguys.lipson.com. Next up on CMM42, The Freaky Five. Welcome back to Comics Monthly Monday number 42, and up next is The Freaky Five, with the subject this time around, submitted by the hair metal hero himself. Subject is, what five female comic characters would you want to do bad, bad things to, if you know what I mean? And I think you do. First up, Mike. Ah, yes. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I was doing some research on the web. All uh-huh. right. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, this was a weird one because as much as I look at comic book characters, especially, you know, female comic book characters and and think, "Wow, that's attractive." I I never thought of doing bad bad things to them. But after after some considerable thought, some, some and a good bit of uh of googling images, that many consider nasty. You guys there? I am here. Okay, I was just making you guys get. I'm. Sorry, I'm googling point, nasty images. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I'm hanging this, on your every word. Sorry, I'm sorry. At this point, when it gets really quiet and you guys don't talk for a while, I think we've lost the call again. So, anyways, it's number either that or the porn we're looking at is really interesting. One of the two. Yes. <laughs> Now, was this specifically like superheroes or just comic book characters in general? He says female comic book characters. All right. Uh, um, number five, Gwen Stacy, just because everyone says she's so pure as the driven snow. Um, You'd like to drive that snow? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'd like to hollow it out like a Thanksgiving turkey. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> I um, think that the term that you do with snow is you plow snow. Thank you. <laughs> or you blow um, snow. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> Number four, as a Superman fan, you'd think, hey, maybe he's going to go for Lana Lang, or, or 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 if you know you're 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 like that, Jimmy Olsen. But no, I'm I'm going to go for Lana Lang. Because uh, it's something about the first loves. I don't know which what it's version. Um, mainly a Neto Tool oh, yes. from Superman Three. Good choice, sir. Good choice. Um, because wow, she was attractive, and watch the movie Cross My Heart, and that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, 
number three because she has to be on the list, but she's not, you know, a, a number one. You know, Power Girl. I mean, I mean, what are you going to do to her, really? Because you know she's invulnerable, so there, there, there's not a whole, whole lot exciting that you can probably do, and you'll probably end up hurting yourself. But why the hell, you know, why not give it a shot? You know what I'm saying? Are you sure she doesn't bat for the other team? Doesn't matter. <laughs> I was just going to say, doesn't that add some appeal? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, we never said she wanted to have sex with me. He didn't. It I'm didn't even say, say sex. He just said bad, bad things. That's wrong in so many ways. Well, number two. You know, this one was really hard, hard to think of because I got a thing for witches. Really? And, uh, yes, I know. Shocking. Uh, oh, you're not going to say Wendy, are you? Because that's just wrong, man. No. <laughs> Oh, oh God! Oh, I just threw up in my mouth a little. No, no, I'm not gonna say Sabrina either. I, I'm trying to. I'm gonna say the Enchantress. I almost put her on my list, dude. Seriously, with the floppy hat look and the green shirt thing going on. Not the more she recent Shadow Pact era, but like jo- how John Byrne drew her in Legends. Yes, I was just like, yeah. I I I I'd crawl into that fight for air. Um, I remember number... discovering her back in her adventure comics days, battling Supergirl, and being really impressed by the fact that she clearly was not wearing a bra in those in those stories. <laughs> <laughs> number one, this is really easy. Uh, somewhat due to Yvonne Craig, but mostly due to Dina Meyer. Um, but Barbara Gordon. Who the hell is Dina Meyer? You ever watched the Birds of Prey TV series? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. She played Barbara Gordon in that show. Yeah. And she is amazingly hot. Um, if you've ever seen Starship Troopers, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, okay. She was Diz in Starship yes. Troopers. Diz, or as I like to say, the one that should have that should have lived and Denise Richards should have died a horrible, horrible death. Because... She was a bitch in that movie. Anyways, um... Yeah, and I wouldn't kick her out of bed for being a cripple, either. Well, no, unless you wanted to fuck on the floor. Um... (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Walking, walking, not walking, Barbara Gordon is just sexy. She's, I mean, she's literally got... She's literally got the sexy librarian thing going on. Um, I used to have a thing for redheads until, you know, the the thing in high school which kind of ruined that forever for me but still you know thinking about her as a character as Batgirl as Oracle you know she's she's a very she's a great character to begin with and it's kind of funny that I was upset uh, when Ed Benes took over from Bird, for Birds of Prey that he increased her cup size because big boobs does not equal automatically equal sexy woman for me and Barbara, I always thought, was kind of sexy while not having the largest chest on the planet. But, you know, I think it also goes back to watching the Batman series when I was a kid and her being one of the first, like, live-action superwomen that I ever saw. So, But yes, number one, Barbara Gordon, without doubt. Good choices, sir. Good choices. Thank you. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. Pick me, pick me. Pick, uh, uh, me, 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 me. <laughs> Ooh, Mr. Cara, Mr. Cara. 
but I can't walk up in front of the class. <laughs> Not with this one. All right. Just just put the book over. Just put the notebook over it. You'll be fine. Well, with me, I gotta go get my destroy comic and put it over. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, my first two. I'm starting from five, working up to one. My first two might be a little, like, run-of-the-mill, maybe, or or not too imaginative. I'm sorry, but the heart wants what the heart wants. You know what what, what I'm saying? So number five, She-Hulk. For all (laughs) the obvious reasons. For all the obvious reasons. And, you know, especially the John Byrne She-Hulk. In a nice, like... Like just coming out of the gym with with a with a um, sweatband on. The, the only but, problem with She-Hulk, dude, is that it's green. How do you know when it's gone bad? You know what I'm saying? Ah, uh, how many times do I have to say it? If it smells like cologne, leave it alone. If it smells like fish, eat all that a, you wish. It's a dish. <laughs> Wow, that's kind when of the weather's hot and sticky. That's no time to dunk your dicky, but when the frost is on the pumpkin, that's the time for Dicky Duncan. Okay, all right. It, so I, I don't think I went to school again. with Dicky Duncan. <laughs> 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 that would be the most awesome name. Now I want to have kids just to name my firstborn son Dicky Duncan Honeywell. <laughs> 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 I wish my last name was Donuts. That would be even better. Anyway, number four, Wonder Woman. You're wonderful. <laughs> and, and not for the whole Amazon reason. I just want to have, and I'm not a like a kind of guy into like sexy role play or S&M stuff, but I'm curious. I want her to wrap me up in the, in the golden lasso and have me tell the truth. I think that could be very exciting. <laughs> Number three, we're going to cross the species barrier here, gentlemen. Omaha the cat dancer. Ah, she almost made my list, too. Just for obvious obvious reasons. But she was a good character, too. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she had a good personality. Yeah, that's what you always look for. Sure. Number two, Beverly Switzer from Howard the Duck. <laughs> Especially right? when she's played by uh, Leah, what, Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there was there was a girl, woman in comics who would actually get naked in the comics. Beverly Switzer. I always figured if she would do Howard the Duck, that I might have a fighting chance. You know, <laughs> I, I I would at least hope that I would have a fighting chance if, you know, because I like to think I'm fairly similar to Howard the Duck. You know, and some ways alright so number one's kind of a weird one but it's because it goes all the way back to when I was just a little shaver this is like the first time I remember like god I had to be like kindergarten age but first thinking there's something special about ladies was uh, the black canary (laughs) I would like to be the cat that ate the black canary Whoa! Even at six years old. Yeah, man, I said it. I said it. Even at six years old, I was there was something. Yeah, there was something warm and tingly about the the black canary. Now I don't even know anything about the character really, but I just hold her in a special special place in my heart. 
<laughs> or whatever, or whatever, wherever. Or one of those, <laughs> one of those blood engorged organs. Yeah, yeah, one of those organs somewhere in my spleen, somewhere. But yeah. All right. I guess that means it's down to me. I'm gonna go in reverse order, starting from five, and um, at least uh, four out of five. Um, you know, I, I gotta be honest. Uh, you know, I, I'm a tit man from way back, so the the boobs definitely played into the decision factor here. So number five, just because of those boobies, man, Princess Leia by Carmine Infantino. I just there was something magical about Princess Leia's rat in those uh, in those early issues of Marvel Star Wars. You want to be your General Dodonna, huh? Is that I, what you're yes, absolutely. Yep. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to. Oh, never mind. I can't even. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. Number four is <laughs> Scott's actually Scott's been reading his floppies again. <laughs> um, number four. I definitely knew that I wanted. See, uh, the other thing that played a factor in this for me was was you know who were the girls that did it for me and you know in, in that in that you know that that pubescent age as a kid. You know what I mean? So I knew that I definitely wanted some girl from the Legion of Superheroes because I was a huge Legion fan as a as a teenager. So I thought about Grell era phantom girl because you could actually see her boobs through that outfit that she had she had that little like grating pattern on the front of her outfit and it, it was one of those things where when she would turn sideways just right you could almost imagine maybe you saw a little nipple in there you know what i mean anyway I know what you mean. and then i thought of keith griff keith giffen took one of the lamest ass characters in the legion of superheroes and made her uh, an absolute doll and that was dream girl she is still a seriously lame-ass character but at least now she looked like a dream girl she was gorgeous but she was kind of a friggin space cadet you know it's just kind of an airhead useless character so i thought nah, i don't know but boobies but boobies and she had a nice butt too but then i <laughs> thought about shrinking violet now, there's obvious advantages to a girl that can, you know, shrink a little bit, you know, shrink a size when, you know, she starts to kind of, you know, things kind of get start to get old. You know what I'm saying? But ultimately, it really can, had how, to... How far can she shrink down? Can she do like... Microscopic size. Oh, baby. Now we're talking... Now we're talking turkey. <laughs> but ultimately... <laughs> It really, the the obvious choice here was uh, was Laurel Kent because I'm convinced that she's stark ass naked underneath that cape. <laughs> um, number three, this one uh, this one was definitely. There's no way this wasn't going to make my list. Donna Troy by George Perez. Hachi Mama, she's just she's a babe, an absolute babe. Um. Number two, Supergirl, but a very specific Supergirl. Most definitely the pre-crisis hot pants version by either Mike Grell or Alan Weiss. I just got a thing for the hot pants version of Supergirl. I love that outfit. The one with the little Superman S-shield over one of her boobies. I love that. It's awesome. 
But Booby- number there goes boobies again. Boobies again. Strangely, boobies do not really play a factor. Not you know, sex appeal honestly doesn't really play a factor in number one. The 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 really the deciding and my number one was the one that was the most. You know, I mean, it, it immediately came. Oh, to I me. think I know who it is. I know. You know, it, it was as soon as this subject came up on the on the forum, I was like, well, I may not have all five instantly, but I instantly knew who number one was. It's Aunt May, isn't it? No, oh, but God. I did consider putting her on the list. But no. Ultimately, this female makes the list because of one major factor is that she can try to play Little Miss Innocent. Ultimately, despite what she tries to portray as a squeaky clean, you know, all-American girl image, I know that deep down she is a dirty, dirty bitch just waiting to happen. It's the pre-crisis teen version of Lana Lang from Smallville. Because if she's that hot and horny for dorky-ass Clark Kent, all she needs is a real man to step into her life and just kind of take charge. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, yep. Pre-crisis teen Lana Lang, my number one choice. uh, Scott Gardner, the... the, uh, talk Talk about humble, man. He's the guy who's just like, yeah, Superman's girl. All she needs is a taste of a real man. Yep. <laughs> nice. There you go. Um, we did have a few uh, submissions, by the way. I'll run down these real quick. From Geekerino on the forum, we got. Uh, I'll read his. I'll read all these in reverse order. I don't know if they're intended this way or not. But uh, number five, Firestar, which is a good choice. She yeah. is actually really cute. Number four, Zatanna. Which uh, Chris, I would think that she she could uh, she could contend with uh, Black Canary. They both got the um, what you call it, the like uh, the the tuxedo tops. Yeah, the fish, fish well, yeah, nets. The tuxedos, yeah, but the fishnets working. Number three, uh, Sue Richards, who I kind of considered you know the the burn version of Sue Richards, but she she kind of looked a little bit too like mom like you know what i mean not yeah truly <laughs> all right i'm gonna just leave that alone number two the black widow and number one the scarlet witch where there's no way she's batshit crazy there's no way i would i would put scarlet witch although she's drawn right in the very right in the head um from D-Man of the very excellent Definitive Geek Podcast, we get number five, Supergirl slash Power Girl. And he says that's a tie since the, uh, since they are basically the same character depending on continuity. I would argue that to the ends of the earth, but on another show. <laughs> number four, he says Wonder Woman. Does that really require cl- uh, clarification? Number three, Mystique, because she likes being other people and you could have anyone you want. Number two, Saturn Girl, she could read my mind, enough said. And number one, Spider Woman, the Jessica Drew uh, version. He says, uh, true story, just today, uh, in at the LCS today, saw an action figure for Jessica and said to the guy, I would be tempted to pick that up. He said, and I quote, yes, yeah, she's the best bang for your buck. I said, yes, uh, that's what I've heard. Double Entendre achievement unlocked. <laughs> Plus, who can forget that pick in the new Avengers? I think I know the one he's talking about, too. From uh, Christopher J. Warden on uh, Facebook, he sent uh, number five, Black Widow, just because she's a redhead. 
number four, Mighty Endowed. I don't know who the hell, who is that? Mighty so Endowed is from Young Justice. She oh, okay. was a villain. It's a joke. Oh, okay. It's just too top heavy is his reason yeah. for that one. Number three, She-Hulk. Green women are good enough for Kirk, he said. Amen. <laughs> two, number two, Wonder Woman, Lasso, which I think is what your reasoning was. Oh, this man has taste. <laughs> and number one, Power Girl. And he says, duh. And lastly, from our buddy Thomas Mattis, he writes, uh, number five, Harley Quinn. Because he, he says, because I dig crazy chicks. Uh, number four, Starfire, which is actually, that's a pretty good choice. I wouldn't want to fuck Harley Quinn. My God, she put like a knife in your back when you weren't <laughs> looking. Uh, he said, for Starfire, is redhead check, roy- uh, royalty check, exotic look check, kick my, kick my ass double check. Spiral perm, check. <laughs> number three, Raven Hex from the Tarot Witch of the Black, uh, Black Rose. He says, I do a podcast... Uh, that features this character. Do I need to explain more? I I guess not. I don't know who that character is, but no, that that explanation works for me. Um, number two, Power Girl. I, I think she might have the most votes so far. Power Girl. He says powerful, sexy, smart, and funny. She is all women, all woman to me. And number one, Black Cat. He says, do I really need to explain this one too? No. No, you don't. I can think of two big reasons to put uh, the black cat on the list. <laughs> and that's uh, that's the Freaky Five. Now, for next month, the submission for next month, I submitted the one for next month. This is, It's finally come up to me. No cheating. It truly was the next one in line on the forum. Subject is, if you could kill five comic characters and they could never come back, who would you do in? And that's our free next time. That brings us to everybody's favorite segment. Get Chris to read a goddamn superhero comic. It's time for me. (laughs) Yay. Yay. (laughs) So proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. This month, I... I believe, and I can't remember for sure, but I think this comic was sent to me from Alan Leach. I think Alan Leach sent this one to me. Alright. This month, the comic I read for Make Chris Read a Goddamn Superhero comic was Starman's Sins of the Father by James Robinson, Tony Harris, and Wade Von Graubadger. Jesus. The first thing I liked about this comic... That it was that I only had to read six comics instead of 13 freaking comics. Here is a fun fact. Six comics are less than half of 13 comics. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> this is the story of Ted, David, and Jack Knight. Well, not so much David since he gets shot in the chest right away. Ted Knight used to play an anchorman on the Mary Tyler Moore show. No, I am just kidding. This Ted Knight is an old scientist guy who used to be a superhero called Starman. He invented a flying, a fancy flying staff of Ra which shoots beams or something and made him fly. He retired and his son David took over, except, like I said, he gets shot dead. Turns out, one of Ted Knight's old enemies, the Mist, wants to get revenge. 
The mist's power are a fog that surrounds him and being very old. He kind of redefines senile old fart. Anyway, Jack is the loser's son who is a nerd and runs a cool collectible shop. He is forced to take over the Starman suit even though he doesn't want to. We know he doesn't want to because he keeps saying things like, I'm no hero, and I'm not a superhero, and superheroes are stupid, and this suit is stupid. But we all know he really loves it because, duh, you get to fly and shoot people with a staff. Well, Jack gets his shop blowed up, meets a pretty psychic lady, and gets helped out by a guy called the shadowy man from a shadowy planet who thinks he's the phantom stranger. And oh yeah, <laughs> there's a family of red-headed chain-smoking cops and a magical Hawaiian shirt. Well, of course, Jack whoops all the bad guys and settles his daddy issues and even makes semi-nice with his dead brother in a black-and-white world. I really like these six and not 13 issues of this comic. <laughs> I would read more Starman, even though Jeff Bridges isn't in it. <laughs> or Robert Hayes. <laughs> well done, sir. Well Thank done. You. Thank you. And I have got to say that uh, I am really, really glad to hear you say that you liked these. And not yeah, just because you too. didn't have to read 13 of them, but... Uh, Mike and I. Oh, these both, were right up my alley. Yeah, I kind of we figured right. it would be, but you know, it's sometimes you know, you, you know, you think know. Oh, they're going to yeah. love this, and then you know, you, you hand somebody something, and they're like, "Yeah, thanks, that sucked," you know. So, well, but, I mean, just, Mike and I both hold this in extremely high regard. So I was ner- I was nervous, but excited that you were finally going to discover Starman. I thought that I thought the art was really good. Um, the story the the main character reminds me a lot of the main character and why the the last man mm-hmm. comics as sort of a, a snarky nerd who who knows his trivia and and what I love about this is there's lots of shops of shots of his shop and um and he you know he's talking about like you know Bakelite you know Viewmasters and stuff it's basically my stock and trade. And and whoever wrote this, you know, knows their collectibles. Knows like right, yeah. And the and the way he talks about them, and the way he views that stuff, I totally understand that. And this whole story, like the scene that locked it down, is like this is awesome, and I love it. Is when his dad was like, "Listen, you know, I got my my lab blown up, but I've got an you know I've got another warehouse where I kept some you know deep stock." And he's walking through this warehouse, and it's just full of, like, it's got a Ray Harryhausen Cyclops and, you know, weird dinosaurs and an old Batman. It it looks like the car from Action Number 1, actually, sort of sitting there in piles of old mannequins. And he's, like, walking through here. He's like, how the hell could I have never, you know, I would have killed to get into this place, you know. And that's exactly what I was thinking when I saw that picture. I'm like... Ooh, because he's like, I must have died and gone to heaven. And and I saw that, and I'm like, I know exactly how you feel, dude. But, uh, yeah, I liked it. I mean, the story wasn't the most original thing in the world. You know, the the basic plot line of the story. But the way it's it's carried out is is very nice. It, It takes nice little turns that you don't expect. 
and I really like the art. I like I like the colors in it. The the colorist did a a great job. It's a little weird. I I want to read on because it's like there's characters like the the psychic woman when he goes to the psychic woman's shop who just sort of she just sort of comes and goes in like three pages, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she's going to be a ongoing character or maybe a love interest or something. Because she's drawn as a super hottie. She's just like, right, every yeah. shot of her is just like this like glam image of her. And then she's gone for the rest of the comic. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just something that happened and is never coming back or gets picked up later on. Uh, but- I really suggest that you read this for really a variety of reasons. One, the series just gets better and better and better as it goes on. Yeah. Uh, it really builds on itself. It, um, it does a few, I don't want to say watchman type things because it oh, yeah. seems kind of like cliched, but it does a few watchman things with the golden age characters. Uh, when you are reading this, track down the four-issue Golden Age miniseries that James Robinson wrote as well, uh, because it, it sort of ties into this world. Well, it's um, got some it's got some real Alan Moore, feel, you know, feel to it. You know, there's there's that that Alan Moore approach in some of the ways, especially with the mystical characters who are still kind of down to earth. There's a lot of like. Like the gypsy, like the psychic woman and um, the mysterious man, you know? Shade. Shade. Yeah, he becomes, like, my favorite supporting character of the city. Because James Robinson took this villain, for lack of a better term to say, that that basically would just show up and fight Jay Garrick every once in a while and turned him into this immortal character who... Basically, I'm not really spoiling anything here. He reveals that he became a villain because he was bored. You know, he's lived so long. Right. You know, this is, you know, I'll try this for a while. And he becomes a really great character. Uh, You know, Jack as a character is somebody I should hate because he's like, he's like that generation's version of a hipster almost. Right. But... But you end up liking him anyways because of the journey he goes on. And there is a mystery of the Starman of 1950-something, of 1953. And when that gets resolved towards the end of the series, it's like, an ama- it's like one of those things that they tease for over 50 issues, and on a very rare occasion, it pays off. And normally you don't get that. Normally if they let something go long enough, you don't give a shit anymore. And it's just like, oh, who cares? But when it's revealed, it's just like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Dude, I can and he, I can count the number of times that, that a written material has ever made me cry. Like, like yeah. seriously brought a tear to my eye. And it's things like when Supergirl died or like the first time I read The Kid Who Collected Spider-Man, that sort of thing. But the resolution of that story, the Starman yeah. of 1951, when what happens happens at the end of that, and there's just that sudden like blink and it's over, I was like devastated. I was like, Jesus, because you really feel for the characters in that story. It's That's some powerful shit. That's a great, great story. 
And there's a lot of pop culture references. There's like an issue where a bunch of thugs are arguing over uh, whether or not Elliot Gould's um, version of uh, the... Why is the name of the... Well, it's 2.30 in the morning. That's why the name of the Hawk character... Hawkeye Pierce? <laughs> no. Um, Humphrey Bogart played him and, and Maltese Falcon. And, oh, Sam Spade. Yeah, like his version of Sam Spade, and somebody's like defending it. They're arguing with each other, and it's kind of like a Quentin Tarantino argument, but it's in this comic, and it works very well. Uh, Robinson is very good with character. Uh, he really know, but he also knows how to take your audience and go ha ha, and just things happen in this series that will never ever happen in any other superhero series. Just like like certain events where you're like, oh my god, she did that to him, and that's like really wrong. And just uh, the villains, the heroes, the supporting characters, Opal City as a as a concept is is just fantastic. And I just I envy you for going on this journey because when I did it, when I read it, it was it was like one of the best reading experiences of my comic book collecting career. Amen. And, uh, and I'll never get that back. Luckily for you, uh, they've got the omnibuses of these out. And you should be able to pick oh. them pretty cheap. they got the entire series out in omnibus form. Oh, oh so, I'm going to look for that. And those include like side stories and mini-series and other stuff mm-hmm. that Robinson did attached to this. See, so, that's one of the beautiful things about this series is that, you know, it's 80 issues start to finish. That's the entire series. The artist, or excuse me, the the writer went into this having a game plan, knowing exactly where he wanted to go in the story that he wanted to tell, and it's very, very cohesive. And with a few exceptions, you don't need anything else. And you know those yep. exceptions are awesome because you get, you know, like like Mike said, you got the uh, the Golden Age miniseries, um, which is fantastic. It's really, really good because it's basically the Watchmen with the JSA. It's a, it's a great series, but it, in, in my opinion, a lot better than Watchmen with a great reveal, by the way. Um, you've got the Shade miniseries, which is just a joy to read because it, it, it fully fleshes out that character, his origin, and his motivation. Why is he doing what he's doing? Um, oh, there was um, a one-shot with The Mist, and mm-hmm. there was a crossover with Captain Marvel in uh, Power of Shazam, and I think that's about it, except for some annuals. There's a there's an eighty page giant eighty yeah that's right yep there's a couple annuals and there is a Starman Hellboy Batman crossover yeah yeah I that I never about read that. that's um, okay it's it's actually it's as weird as you would think it would be you know to throw <laughs> those three characters together I read it and I I I didn't hate it but ultimately I kind of came away from it feeling like that should have just been Starman and Batman. Why the hell is Hellboy in this? You know, it, it didn't. His appearance didn't really do anything other than add a really like huh another factor. Character. To, yeah. Well, it added another character, but more than anything, it just confused the story because it really was just. I mean, that that character is from a completely different company, completely different reality, and. Yeah, what it wasn't a very good mix for that story, but still, you know, in continuity and worth reading, you know. But yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. Here, 
Another thing, Chris, is if any of the collections you find, and look through them before you buy them, or at least try to figure it out, see if they have the back matter that Robinson did. Because for a long time, he would do things like from the Journal of the Shade. Oh. And these are just great text pieces, basically, told from like the perspective of the Shade. And, uh, like, like one that has always stuck with me is him talking about why he doesn't get a dog. And, you know, because he lives so long, a dog's life is a blink to him, and he doesn't want to get emotionally attached. But don't you ever abuse a dog in his presence. Right, yeah. And it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> That's great. And it's kind of how I feel. Because, sadly... Sadly, it's almost to the point where I might beat a man to death over abusing an animal rather than abusing another human being. No, I hear you on that. Yeah. (laughs) I I totally hear you on that. So, uh, but, so it's just, when I read that, it's one of those moments where a writer in two sentences makes you absolutely love a character. Like, you understand everything about the character that you need to understand. Just from him saying that, it's like, oh, okay, that's right, great. Yeah. And uh, no, just just here, if you, if you can find the issues cheap, buy them cheap. If if the trades have, or the and the omnibuses have, like all the extras, get, get those. those. But just read it. Um, there are some crossovers with events. They're done in such a way that you really don't notice it all that much. You don't have to read the entire event. To get it. And he does things with Solomon Grundy that I didn't think were possible. That sounds dirty. It's not. (laughs) And, last thing I'll say on this, he takes a Golden Age villain called the Ragdoll and makes him fucking scary. Mm -hmm. Just like, holy shit. (laughs) See, for me... Um, my origin story with, with this series is uh, I remember seeing the Zero issue and seeing the cover, and I didn't get any further than that. I saw that cover and thought, Bleh, and that's as far as I got. And I was working at a, it was either a Suncoast motion picture company or a Saturday. No, it must have been Suncoast. It was Suncoast because it was in Georgia. I was working at, a, at the North Lake Mall. And a kid that I worked with, we struck up a conversation one day about, you know, just geeky stuff. And somehow it turned to comic books. And he started describing this story to me. And it was sounding like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'll let him talk, but I'm really not interested. And then he said the magic words. He said, just a society of America. And then he started talking about, like, Infinity Inc. and Skyman and all these characters that I had a real fondness for. And I'm like, wait a minute, all this shit's tied into that Starman book? And he's like, yeah, you know, it's like almost a continuation. The way he described it really whet my interest. And I realized that I had totally made a snap judgment just based on that cover, which I still don't like, to issue zero. So I started going to uh, to Titans and hunting down the back issues. And at that time, the back issues to this were nothing. I mean, you could. I mean, I bought the whole series that was out at the time, right up to whatever the current issue was, for like I'm pretty sure like a buck an issue at most. And so I was able to catch right up to wherever they were in the story, and and I just fell in love with it. And the funny thing about this series for me is that. 
you know, in a quick recollection, this is the first time I can ever think of that I became attached, like seriously attached to a series where the main character is not the most interesting element in his world. As a matter of fact, I still to this day don't really like Jack Knight. He's not a likable character in a lot of ways. He's not truly heroic, all he, although he does go on a hero's journey and becomes more heroic by the end of the story. But ultimately, the way that I judge a hero, like by Superman, for example, you know, is by their actions, by their deeds, by their character. Jack's, you know, in a lot of ways, he's just an everyman. He he does he has questionable motives. He does questionable things. What I found more interesting was the world that he lived in, and the the three things that won me over in this series, and two of them you got a taste of in this first trade was the shade he's to me the most interesting character and the talking with david segments oh yes i looked forward to those every year and every one of them was great and then finally the times past segments which i don't believe we got one of in this opening trade but times past was a feature that was usually done from the Shades perspective or like pulled out of the Shades journals as Jack began to read them. And it was just a flashback tale and it could be any time, any era. And some of them were really good. There were ones that would take place like back in gangster days. There were some that took place in the old West. As a matter of fact, one of the stories was one when we covered our top five favorite single issue stories, not long ago in a, you know, in a comics monthly Monday episode, uh, I talked about the one where, uh, where it was Scalp Hunter. Still one of the most powerful comics I've ever read. The end of that story just just crushes me. I mean, it's one of those stories where after I read that, I'll just it sticks with me for days. And it, it's almost depressing because you can feel the Shade's anguish. A hundred years later, he still mourns the loss of his friend. And it's just, it's a really, really powerful book. That's what I liked about Starman the best. It, it, it's almost Jack Knight is almost inconsequential in a lot of the eighty issue run of that series. It's more about the the incredibly real world that that Robinson created and the and the very real and likable characters that he created and finding out what happens to these people and the, and the different journeys they go on. You know, because some of them go from from you know characters like jack that become heroes and then other ones kind of you know start out as sort of maybe heroes and fall from the light so it's a really really good and involved series I, i'm i'm really glad you liked this opening trade i really hope that uh that you uh you know whet your appetite enough to want to continue on because the funny thing is you know you and i were, were text messaging last night chris and i realized shit you know we're, we're recording tomorrow night and i had to dig out these six issues and try to reread them like fast. So like at two o'clock in the morning, I realized, man, you know, in order to get decent sleep for work tomorrow, I basically got to read this, this whole trade, these whole six issues in like a half an hour and get to bed. Ooh, good luck. Three hours later, I had blown through those six issues and reread just about half of this series. I just kept going and kept going. I, it had been so long since I read it. It sucked me right back in again. And I was like, so then I just kept going to try to refamiliarize myself. Okay, where did this character go and what? Oh yeah, that's oh yeah, and then just kept going and going. I, I it pulled me right back in. It's such such good stuff. Really good series. 
And, I enjoyed uh, it. I, I thought he dealt with, like, at first I was like, the relationship between the two brothers and the father was just very boilerplate, you know, sibling right. rivalry story. And, you know, the father being kind of a prick in it, but, you know, it evolves as it goes through and you start getting sympathy for everybody. You know, everybody's sort of acting like a prick in the beginning. Uh, you know, the father's being jerky towards Jack and David's just kind of seems dumb. <laughs> and Jack is, is kind of like a, you know, I, 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 I identify with him in the collectible sort of way, but he's kind of the douchey version, you know, the leather jacket wearing, you know, I'm a, I'm a cool, cool guy type of thing. But yeah, it, 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 it it's, it's just complicated enough to, to make it really shaded, but it's not so complicated that it goes too far away from being comic booky and fun at the same time, you know, as, as straying away from be, being a comic book, you know. So, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. And I, I think the art style is fantastic and the way he lays out pages and stuff, it makes it flow like crazy. So, yeah, I'm probably going to try to track down the omnibuses so I can... Because I have a feeling I'll be like you, you know, where you start reading it and that's it, you know. Especially yeah. since I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so. It's uh, it's very uh, Walking Dead in that sense that once you start reading, yeah, if, if you've got a whole trade sitting in front of you, you're going to end up blowing right you're through gonna it. You're going right through it. It reminds me of Why the why the Last Man like that, too, in, in that sort of... Where, where the lead character is sort of... in. He's very consequential in that story, but at the same time, he's not the most sympathetic character, you know, likable guy, and, and you know, the larger world is more interesting. And that one also had a beginning, middle, and end. So, have you ever read that? You've been suggesting that one to me for yeah, some time, and that I wasn't read... really sure about that one, but then uh, I've, I've heard uh, uh, Andy, uh, Leyland, say some really good things about that, so I'm going to have to dig that out and, and check that out at some point. I, I've it's, never read any of it. It's not perfect. It's got up and ups and downs, in my opinion, but um, what it does have going for it, like from what you've described with Starman, is... It, it has an end, you know, that there was a planned ending for it and the story goes to that end and then is done, you know, right. and it's done. And you, and when, when you walk away from it, you're like, all right, that was, you know, that's finished. That story's finished. So, yeah, I think, I think there's something to be said for that, you know, to having a plan sticking to it and, you know, walking away on a high note, you know, you might, you might still, want more but ultimately come to realize it, that it's it's probably good to it's probably better to right leave here. it there yeah, yeah well now that we're now we're begging the the next question what do i read what goddamn superhero comic do i read next oh i i i kind of assumed that there was probably another one in the queue do we know whose turn it is to pick i have um, no idea Cause who who hmm. threw this one out? Did this one? That was you. I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think I mentioned I got it, and you were like, "Ooh, you got to read that." Okay, for, yeah. See, that's what I had to... thought was that someone sent it to you, and then it just became you know the thing to do. So, all right. Well, we don't have to pick it now. We can find. They don't have to know what's coming next month. It's even all I have to know is I have to know so I can read it in the next month. But we can figure that out. 
keep them in suspense. That all they'll know is it's a goddamn superhero comic. That's all you're going to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, have we got anything else, fellas? No, sir. I just want to say I'm glad to be back on format after a couple months. I hope it was all you guys hoped for and dreamed of through all those monkeys and what happened the month before? What what did we do here? No, 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 it was the Avengers. Avengers. That's right. Yeah, that's what it was. You're right. You're right. So it's been mega. See, the only thing that tears us away from our format are, are mega events like. (laughs) <laughs> giant monkeys and Avengers. See, that's the sequel. Avengers versus King Kong. Oh. Hulk versus Kong. Don't tease me. <laughs> you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, Tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com, please be aware that if you use the Amazon.com link located on our website www.2TrueFreaks.Libson.com 2 True Freaks will receive a referral bonus for any items you purchase. There is absolutely no additional cost to you whatsoever for doing this. All proceeds go directly toward keeping new episodes of all your favorite 2 True Freaks affiliated podcasts rolling and it really helps us out. So please, use our Amazon.com link anytime you plan to visit Amazon.com. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E F R E A K S. Libson is spelled L I B S Y N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks.
Our company motto is, what's it to you, asshole? And we stand by that.